0: And we are live once again.
1: <laughs> I was thinking the other day about you being like, "And we are live." <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Welcome to the Content Swap Podcast. This is episode three. Oh,
1: wow, three are, episodes.
0: Yes, you are joined by Parker and Aaliyah. Aaliyah, would you like to please explain to the good people what the Content Swap Podcast is?
1: Absolutely. So Content Stop Podcast is when me and Parker assign each other a piece of content to engage with, book, movie, TV show, can be whatever, um, and yeah, and we come back here, we talk about it, give our thoughts, ask questions, and that's the essence of the show.
0: Mm-hmm. And then at the end, we assign each other another piece gonna, of content. <laughs> another piece of content for, for the following week. Yep. Great. So this week, you're going to start first, but real quick, I wanted to... Uh, touch on something that we briefly talked about last week, which was uh we said we were gonna go see the Jujutsu Kaisen Zero <laughs> movie. <laughs> so I uh, you know, for the people. I wanna make sure For the we, people. <laughs> yeah, I wanna make sure we uh you know give an update. Give an update on how that was. So I, I really liked it. What do you think? I loved it. Yeah.
1: I feel like you you were not thrilled about it, I feel like towards the end.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's kai- ugh, jujutsu, <laughs> <laughs> jujutsu Kaisen, um, for, I, mean, I, I don't know. There's, there's not, there's some stuff that I don't love about how they tell the story in Jujutsu Kaisen where it's just like, doesn't feel entirely clear about what's going on, but mm. some I ambigua- mean,
1: over- amb- ambiguity. There we yeah, go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always I was like Jujutsu Kaisen the second time I watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the second time I watch this movie, I'll probably like it better than the first time. So, mm. that's those are my feelings on the movie. Yeah. Anyway, it was good. Go see it if you're a fan of the show. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so what were you assigned this week?
1: Yes. So I was assigned Samurai Champ Champloo. Right. That's how you pronounce it. At least Champ Champloo. Champloo. <laughs> I'm like shampoo. Not,
0: I, I looked at it up. It's not a real word. <laughs> they, they made it up for the show.
1: Got you. Okay. Samurai or, champloo Yeah.
0: It's like, a, I think it's a playoff of a Japanese word like champeru which is like, I don't remember. I forgot to look that up. um I don't remember what that means, but that's a word. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I think it's a playoff that. Anyway.
1: Got it. Yes. So that's what I was tasked to watch. I watched, we watched five episodes of that. Um, And essentially, overview of the show, you follow these three characters. There's Mugen. Mm -hmm. I think I'm pronouncing his name right. Mm -hmm. You have Jean Mm -hmm. um, and then you have Fu. And Mugen and Jean are both male. Fu is a woman. Um, And essentially, from what I've gathered of the episodes that I watched, they're kind of... So Fu tasks these two guys to help her find the samurai who smells like sunflowers, we don't know the samurai's name. We just know it's a samurai who smells like sunflowers.
0: Or why she's looking for him.
1: Right. We don't know why she's looking for him. Um, and essentially, I'm assuming all the episodes is just kind of their journey to find this samurai and the things that kind of happen along the way. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So, that's essentially the show. Yeah. So, I'm going to start with my, like, overall thoughts. I've mm-hmm. kind of organized this that way. Mm-hmm. Then I can dive into a few of the episodes or some of the episodes.
0: Okay. Um, and at any point... You know, I, I have a lot to say about this show as well in mm-hmm. terms of the history of it, but let's hear your take on uh, the episodes first.
1: <laughs> yes. So to start off with, I love the vibe of the show. Oh, yeah. So I, well, we had watched the opening title sequence song or whatever. The, thing. Yeah. The
0: opening th- theme song. Yeah.
1: Right. We watched that before and I absolutely loved it. I love the kind of like hip hop essence to it. Mm hmm. And so when we started the show, and this is what I looked up, you were like, don't look up anything. And I was like, I have to know this. Oh, So okay. this is what I looked up. Um, because immediately when I saw it, I was like, this reminds me of the Boondocks. Like, it's it gives me Boondocks vibes.
0: Oh. Yeah.
1: And so then I was like, okay, I knew, because I knew the Boondocks was kind of like inspired by anime, the dude who created it. Right, right. And so I was like, I googled it. Literally, the first thing it says is like, the creator of the Boondocks was inspired by Samurai Champ Champloo, and what? yeah, and oh. Cowboy Bebop. And I was like, I knew it. it. Literally, like they are so similar in so many ways. Um, and so I really loved that because I do love the Boondocks. I think it's
0: hilarious. I never knew that. Um, yeah, both Samurai Champloo and Cowboy Bebop were directed by the same guy, um, oh. Shinichiro Watanabe. Those are like his two most popular works.
1: Wow. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I had to know that. <laughs> I was like, I, I was I like why are you looking this stuff up? I you're know. not supposed to look anything I was up. like, I feel like you're not going to look this up, so I need to know for myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, fair, fair enough. <laughs> yes. So I really loved that. Uh, another thing that I really liked about kind of like the style of the show, and I don't know if they did it in all the episodes, but... In the very first episode, when they would transition to like a different scene, it would be like, it was like a, record a record scratch. scratch. Yeah. yeah.
0: I, I took note of that too. Yeah. I really like that. Same.
1: And I wish they did it. Did they do it in all the episodes? I can't quite remember. Or was it just that first one?
0: Yeah. I, I remember when I was watching the second episode, I was like, oh, they're not doing the whole record scratch mm. thing in this episode. So I, it might have, I don't know if it was just that episode yeah. or if it's like only specific episodes where they do it. Yeah. yeah, I could
1: see how it could be like maybe distracting in the rest of the season. Yeah. But it's, yeah, definitely that first episode, I was like, this is dope. It's a great. Yeah, it's a great opener. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sorry, I'm like blinding you with my iPad. It's okay. Um, I'm trying to think of other kind of like overarching things. Um, So based on the episodes as like an overview, mm-hmm. I did find the show to be a bit slow.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: And... There's so many, in every episode, you're introduced to so many new characters or like so many actors and whatever's going on that I would get really lost in like what exactly was going on, who oh, was right, who. Right. Um, and I'll talk specifically about an episode where I was just like totally lost in like what is going on?
0: Yeah. Well, I think that was a two-part episode. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even I kind of was struggling to explain all of that to you, but that's not... Yeah. I don't know. It's not representative of the, the rest of the show. show. Yeah. Yeah. Know that's just like one, two episode arc. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, the show is unique in that way that uh, none of the episodes, There, there's this through line of like they're going on, it's like a road movie where they're going mm-hmm. uh, to find the samurai who smells of sunflowers, but it's all the episodes really between the beginning and the end mm-hmm. are not really related to any one specific story. It's like every episode is a self-contained story. Yeah. So um, I guess that does make it feel a little slow, I guess. Yeah. but um at the same time, I thought it was it's it's really good for like Cowboy Bebop really does the same thing where it also kind of feels slow, but it's it's like if you catch it like on TV late at night and you mm-hmm. watch a random episode. You're totally, like, you're not, you don't need context of the lost. other episodes. Yeah, you're not lost. It's still just as entertaining if you were watching it, like, you know, episode to episode.
1: Yeah, and I think I didn't, like, pick up that it would be kind of, like, self-contained episodes until, um, I think it's episode two. Mm-hmm. It episode two? Episode two, when they're, like, that one dude who got his arm chopped off. It's, like, what's right. his name? Rio Giro or something I, like that? I
0: mean, he's in that one episode. <laughs> yeah. I don't know his name. <laughs>
1: yeah, but he, like, comes to, like kill them for revenge. Right. And then he, like, dies. And I was like, oh, is he not the villain for this whole, like...
0: Show? Show? Because he
1: started in the first... He was in the first episode. That's true. And so I was... Like, I, like, came with the mindset of, like, oh, he's the, like... He's the villain. And then, like, he gets oh. killed. And I was like, oh, no. This is not that kind of show.
0: Oh, yeah. No, that's that's really interesting. Yeah. So it's... You know, it's not your basic, like, shounen anime where, you know, each episode leads into the next perfectly. It's, like, it's really... Just kind of this like serialized show you can watch self yeah these self-contained episodes i think that's part of what made it made this and cowboy bebop really popular in the west because that's yeah. like a very we do that you know yeah. in pretty much all of our shows um that are produced in the west and then anime it's much more typical that it's you know like we're going on this one adventure like i watch a lot of one piece mm-hmm. and like the it's for like one story in one piece it's like 50 episodes and it's like each episode is just telling that the arc. same continuous arc mm-hmm. yeah whereas this is like not one arc one episode which yeah. i I really like
1: yeah it does keep things interesting I guess um so yeah so those are just kind of like my overall thoughts I also we watched so we watched it dubbed mm-hmm. I would have loved to watch it sub really I think it would have added so much more I do not like for those who don't know me or so, don't know my interest in anime i watched everything subbed i do not like dubbed for some reason <laughs> the only okay. thing that i am watching dubbed is um sailor moon
0: right well yeah that was well uh, see my thing about dubs and subs is if it was like originally aired in america mm-hmm. dubbed mm-hmm. and that's kind of like how it penetrated its way into the culture yeah. then that's the way to like watch it like yeah. that's how cowboy bebop is that's how sailor moon is that's how this show is mm-hmm. like um samurai chomp is one of those shows that would be like playing late at night on cartoon network on toonami right mm-hmm. before adult swim um and like those for me those were like the good old days because like all the voice actors that are in all of those shows at that time are kind of like like they're all kind of like spread between all of this like the same projects together Mm -hmm. so they're all really recognizable voices that for me are like really nostalgic but you don't really hear them in as many like modern popular stuff anymore yeah so for me listening to i'm like oh my god is that guy's voice or it's this guy's voice like the Mm -hmm. the guy that does the voice of Mugen, um is steve blum who's like one of the most well-known voice actors out there Mm -hmm. he does voices for literally so many characters um and he does the voice of spike spiegel who's the main character of Cowboy Bebop, mm. so yeah, for me that was like nostalgic. I'm like, oh, it's yeah. all these voices. I know these voices.
1: <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I feel like because also sorry if I'm talking really fast. I feel like I am because of this coffee. It like That's... has me so <laughs> wired. I'm like on tin. um
0: But we're just recording. A podcast. <laughs> <it's>, we're good. <laughs>
1: but yeah, but I feel like that makes sense. Like. Because I didn't get into anime until, what, like, two years ago? Yeah. A year and a half ago? A year and a half ago. Right. And so I don't have this sort of, like, nostalgia behind, like, the voice actors, like you're saying. And, like, when I... So the first thing that I started when I was first diving into anime was, like, Naruto. And I watched it subbed. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, from there, I was, like, to switch it to dub felt so weird to me. And I was, like, I don't like the sound of it, so... Yeah, so I, I feel like now I'm just like on that kick of like everything I watch is subbed.
0: Yeah, I don't know. My my take on it is if the dub is good, I'll watch it dubbed. Mm-hmm. Um, if the dub is bad, then I'll watch it subbed. Because you know it's going to be good if it's subbed. Like Attack on Titan, subbed for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, like Hunter x Hunter, subbed for sure. Like it's yeah. there's, there are some shows where personally I'm like very opinionated. Like you don't watch the dub, like that's trash. Um, like My Hero Academia as well, because mm-hmm. um, when you hear the dub voices, you're like, "Ooh, what is that?" <laughs> um, but then there are some shows like this where it's like, "Oh, if it it just feels so complete to me." Yeah, dubbed. Yeah, and hearing it like that is like I can fully pay attention to everything that's happening on screen. Which yeah. for this, like this, the animation of the show at the time was actually like really well renowned um, mm-hmm. for being really good because mm-hmm. I think. A lot of like the motion that you see, uh, especially when they're fighting other people, Mm -hmm. is like really fluid animation-wise. Yeah,
1: I like watching Mugen's fights.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. So I, I, I really like the contrast between Mugen and Gene. They're Mm -hmm. like uh, two sides of the same coin, you know. Mm -hmm. Like Mugen's the He's this, like hot-headed r- rooster, like rebel. <laughs> yeah, a rebel dude. Yeah, so he's like yeah, he's like a rebel dude. But he's like but he wears red. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like represented by a rooster in the visuals mm-hmm. in the in the opening theme, mm-hmm. um, and it's like he it's like he represents the sun, whereas mm-hmm. Jean is like this blue fish, like very disciplined, very disciplined mm-hmm. traditional fighter, um, like mm-hmm. traditional like Ronin. Um, and he yeah he wears blue and it's like he represents the moon um oh. there's yeah there's a lot of those like visual motifs in there and the show does use a lot of like warm and cool tones yeah um that also kind of like represents that motif I, you know, I i really like that a lot i mean i'm i always love color coding things yeah. i you know, grew up on power rangers so <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah cool yeah. um so yeah so i'm gonna dive into some episodes of that little words is that okay
0: yeah um or do you
1: have anything else you want to throw in before i mean
0: we i have so, i have a whole bunch of notes of things to unlike my thoughts on the show but i mean if you want to yeah if you want to dive into the specific episodes okay. of like what happened so this is the first five episodes we watched yeah yeah so okay all right Take it away. I'm curious what you want to say.
1: Um, so the first episode is when we get introduced to all these characters, obviously, because it's the first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to lie. For the first, like, solid 15 minutes, I didn't know what was going on. It like So basically how it lays out Even is Even though they, you like
0: those record scratch transitions. I love, I
1: love the record scratch <laughs> They didn't help
0: tell the story, but no. they were cool. <laughs> they
1: were. Truly. I was like, this is dope. I don't know what's going on, but it's dope. Um, so... Basically, the first episode kind of jumps back and forth in time, mm-hmm. um, and it starts out with Mugen and Jean. Um, they're like cap- they're like captured, right? Or no? Or oh yeah, Jean yeah, yeah. They, yeah. They're, they're both
0: captured at the start of the episode, right? And they're and about to like be executed one day earlier. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: and then it jumps back and forth to kind of how they got to that situation of being captured, right? Um, and so yeah, so for the longest time, I didn't know what was going on, like. Jean was was having this conflict with the governor and and then, like, Mugen somewhere else was having a conflict with the governor's son. And then that's how they end up kind of being together to be executed because they're both getting in trouble for this, whatever they were doing. Um, and along the way, they, like, meet Fu and that's when she, like, propositions them to help her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah, I was just like very confused on what was going on and by the end of it I was just like okay, so we're going on a trip. That's what I got we're from going that. On trip. <laughs> that's yep. what I got from that episode. I mean it is
0: it is yeah, just like one very long trip and all the hijinks in the middle.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so that's I mean that's essentially pretty much all I wrote for that episode cuz I was just like
0: Yeah, that I mean was a you lot, don't even but... <laughs> Yeah, you don't even need to, <laughs> to say further elaborate. More than that. Yeah, that's yeah. the whole episode.
1: Yeah. So, going into episode two, this is when we have the conflict with Ryujiro. Yeah. Ryujiro. Ryujiro. Um, And he was in the first episode. I think Mugen had cut off his arm, and so he's back to get revenge. This is the episode where I decided that I loved Mugen. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I was like, I mean, when I saw him in episode one, I thought he was really dope and, like, really cool. But this episode I was like this boy is a player like oh my gosh <laughs> he's so funny and this the show well, is, a, is more adult than I thought it would be Oh
0: it's super adult Yeah, yeah. I didn't I like was violent, not prepared for that adult yeah Like the
1: language everything like that they're like yeah. swearing and like Yeah 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 that, so that took me by surprise and I feel like this episode's where I kind of like realized that um this is also the episode where I realized I don't like foo
0: oh yeah i have a whole bunch of stuff to say about fu's character yeah uh, you yeah. go ahead like oh well, i want to hear your thoughts well so okay so i mean the show does such a good job because like clearly the the two males mugen and gene are you know like they're they're samurai they have swords i guess mugen's probably not really a, considered it a, he's, he's considered like a vagrant outlaw i guess mm-hmm. um but uh, I mean, the show does a really good job of like, you know, the dichotomy between those two, making sure that like, you know, they each have their individual strengths, but they're mm-hmm. also both like equal in strength um, mm-hmm. when it comes to them like ever having a, a fight against each other. And then Fu is kind of just this like, like damsel in distress stereotype. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, all three characters are kind of stereotyped in their own way. Like, yeah. Like, you know, Mugen's, like, he fits this specific archetype, Gene fits this archetype, and Fu fits, like, a very basic female mm-hmm. character archetype. Um, like, she's always just getting into precarious situations yeah. throughout the show for the sake of moving the plot. Um, yeah. Or, like that's that's like her role in like any given episode is like falling into some kind of situation and then
1: that forces them to like kind of get together to help her yeah yeah like
0: that that happens a lot um so and the 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 basic representation of women in this show is very like it's very old school it's Mm -hmm. very like their values based on their like sex appeal kind Mm -hmm. of thing um which I mean, it does. This does all take place in like Edo-style Japan, so I guess that's like it was kind of like that at the time. But um, it's not like a show like you know Demon Slayer now, mm-hmm. where it's like, yeah, we've got these characters with like swords and whatnot, and it's like you know old school Japan. But yeah. like we've got powerful female characters too.
1: I love the female characters in Demon Slayer. Yeah,
0: or you know, whereas this, it's like, mm-hmm. it's like, oh yeah, these two dudes they're the strong ones and then there's this girl that just falls in into all the wrong situations all the time yeah
1: Yeah. i yeah i found her very annoying (laughs) (laughs) i was like oh my gosh um but i do have a question like this is backtracking a little bit but like why is there this like like this conflict between gene and mugen like why were they always trying to fight
0: Oh, just because they're, like, they're stubborn and they're strong. <laughs> so it's just,
1: like, a competition of, like, who's the best? Yeah. Okay.
0: It's, like, it's that's constant throughout the show. Okay. Like, and the whole time they kind of play up, like, who would win in a fight between these two? Because mm. they fought a couple times. Yeah. And there's never a clear winner. Yeah. And that's just kind of, like, part of the fun.
1: Okay, got you. I was, like, did I miss something in that first episode? Like, are there eni- are they, like, enemies? Because they were, like both trying to accomplish something in each other's way i could not figure it out
0: yeah i think they're both just like obsessed with trying to be the best got you strength wise yeah okay got it
1: i feel like that's like very typical in anime <laughs> i mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay got it so yeah that was pretty much episode two so going into episode i don't even know if i really explained episode two but essentially that was it Ryojiro is trying to get revenge. They beat him. Onwards they go. So episodes three and four. This is the really confusing kind of
0: arc. It's a two-episode arc. Yes. Part one, part two.
1: Right. And it's basically... these two like yakuza gangs mm-hmm. that are like fighting each other mm-hmm. and then like mugen fu and Jean kind of get in the mix of that in various ways mm-hmm. and i will say i do like so i like in the show everybody kind of does their own thing mm-hmm. and then it somehow ties in together. Yeah. And I do like that because I like to see like oh what's Mugen up to while Jean's doing this while Foo's doing this. Yeah. Um but at the same time, I think that's also to its detriment because I would for like I would get lost in what everyone was doing and like especially in these two episodes as part 1 and part 2. Yeah. I was like so what like I kept asking you. I was like I don't wonder, like what is Mugen doing? What is Jean doing? Like- yeah,
0: there there is a part in I think the part 2 of that arc where there's oh gosh I mean there's so much to explain of like what's going on but mm-hmm. um essentially there's like a there's they're deciding how to settle things between the two yakuza gangs with uh with like a dice rolling game mm-hmm. and then Mugen just like busts in at one point yeah because he's like he was Mugen was helping one gang Jean's helping the other gang Um, And then they, like, find themselves in the same situation. But then at one point, Mugen's like, I'm I'm out. I'm not going to help these guys anymore because, you know, I'm just trying to be strong um <laughs> that's his whole, yeah, his whole his, character i'm whole just thing. doing whatever he's, he's stubborn he's just trying to kick butt and he's using like break dancing moves as yeah. part of his fighting style like
1: he literally he fights just to, because he can yeah he's, he like, fights, he's, not? he's like why he's
0: like a monkey he's just like on his hands he's on his feet he's doing flips and things he's, it's great anyway um but yeah he just busts into this dice rolling game and he's like i don't even remember he's just like, and you're like what? and then everything goes haywire and yeah like uh, I don't know. So yeah, I'll give you. That's fair. Yeah,
1: because I think literally at that part when we were watching it, I was like, "What did Mugen just do? Like what? Yeah. <laughs>
0: was
1: like what was the point of that?"
0: Um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there. So to your point earlier about how, um, I, I, I think what you were saying was, um, like they all kind of fit into like they're like. Oh, what's this person going to do? What's this yeah. person going to do? I think like. Yeah, because their characters are like stereotypes, like arch- archetypes. Um, it's For me, it's kind of fun to watch because since each episode is its own story, it's like oh, you know, well, what's Mugen going to do in this scenario? Because mm-hmm. they, each episode is a new scenario. It's like, oh, what's Gene going to do? What's mm-hmm. like, what's their role each going to be? And then when you see, like, when Mugen does what he does, you're like, <laughs> classic Mugen doing, <laughs> doing the Mugen thing that he would be doing. <laughs> but, and I think if the show was more, like, of a consistent, like, uh, telling, like, one cohesive, like, like storyline... Story um, that the I guess the character them all being character archetypes wouldn't work as well because mm. I, I think it would get like a little boring because it's just like one story. Yeah. But because it's like, like here are the characters, here's the situation, here's how it plays out. Like I, I think that's a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, and then again in, in these two episodes, I was like, I don't like Fu, <laughs> yeah, at all.
0: Well, I do like that part where she like okay she gets like kidnapped she what she gets like framed or blackmailed into uh having to join a brothel to fix a vase um and but then she like escapes the brothel but like she
1: escaped so easily uh, i was like uh, what
0: yeah 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 i mean the brothel's like a jail um it's <laughs> just pretty nuts um yeah. and then uh but yeah she escapes but then she ends up being mistaken for being like the dice roller for this dice game and then when she like you know like you know, pulls oh, her sleeve yes. down she's like all right let's do this yeah that's like, pretty cool oh that's cool yeah. yeah so she she has her moments yes yeah.
1: yeah that was probably the only moment where i was like oh that was that was awesome um yeah so th- essentially that's that's that episode and so <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: all right on to the next one <laughs> yeah
1: yeah um that's pretty much all I have to say about that um and so episode five I think episode five was the episode I enjoyed the most really? out of all the episodes we watched
0: that's funny because I wanted to watch episodes six and seven um because I knew what I remembered episodes six and seven and I was like oh those are those are probably two of my favorite episodes. Or at least just get... two memorable episodes, yeah.
1: Is that why you were like, we should watch it this morning? And I was like, no. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, kind
0: of. <laughs> well, because, I mean, I guess with the show where it's like the intro episode and then like the second episode just kind of follows the intro episode and then a two-parter and then like mm. one single episode. Yeah. I feel like the, the fifth episode was the only episode that felt like it was representative of like what the rest Rest of the the show's episodes are like okay
1: well i definitely do want to finish the series
0: oh yeah so i've been thinking about it a lot i'm like i really like this show i've seen it twice already yeah this is my third time and i i love it
1: yeah so yeah so fifth episode was one of my (laughs) favorite was one of my favorites i guess it it felt more lighthearted and like fun Mm -hmm. like it was it was it represented what I expected from the show, I guess. Oh
0: um, yeah, that's that's a really good way of putting
1: it. Yeah, and so in the episode, it's kind of like a detective episode. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there's this like undercover detective, and he's trying to uncover or expose, I guess, this artist who's been like kidnapping girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Fu ends up being a girl that this artist kidnaps, and but then like. Basically, so basically, they get to this like town, and mm-hmm. everyone kind of splits. Right, and so that's how Fu ends up getting kidnapped because she goes off with this artist.
0: Oh yeah, they're all trying to find money for their boat. Right, fare. yeah, that's like that's the scenario. Yeah, they yeah. need
1: money for their boat fare. Fu ends up, like, meeting this artist, goes off with him. Mugen, like, keeps stealing money from this, Oh, like- <laughs> yeah. That poor gangster. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> he keeps
1: stealing money from this, like, one dude. And it's so funny. And I loved every second of it. I thought it was hilarious. Um, and then what was Gene doing? I forget. He,
0: Gene was playing, uh, like, a pie show game against yes. this, like, old dude. Where, like, he had no reason to play with the guy. And the guy was like because The guy wanted to wage, wage your money, and yeah. he was like, How about you bet your life? And he was like, mm, Okay, I'll do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah, uh, here, co- yeah, continue,
1: yeah. So, yeah, so they're all doing these separate things at the end. You realize it's all connected. The artist is working for this woman who's like gang members or whatever are the dude that Mugen was stealing from, mm-hmm. um, and I guess the dude who runs all of that was the old man who Gene was playing with. Yep, yep. So it all ends up connecting and I really enjoyed that and I thought it yep. was a lot of fun.
0: And they were all trying to they were all trying to get their boat fair and they th- like, Mugen and Fu thought that Gene was wasting his time playing, you know, probably show with this guy the whole time. Yeah. And then he ends up, like, beating getting, the guy. And yeah, he's and the getting one the that getting the money. Yeah, he's the <laughs> one that gets the money. Yeah, they're like, what? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and I don't know. It was just a really fun episode and was exactly what I thought the show would be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so if you say that that's, like, the remainder of the season, then I definitely want to watch because i really enjoyed it
0: yeah i i'd say like the show yeah the show like has a lot of fun like it's just a fun show to watch because there's a lot of humorous moments but then also there's there are some episodes where like they play into like a lot more like tragic themes Mm -hmm. um so you know it can it's it can be lighthearted and silly and then it can get a little a little deep
1: yeah well, yeah, well, that's pretty much all my thoughts for the show. Like I said, I definitely want to finish it, especially since it's just the one season, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, it's it doesn't even feel right to say season. It's like that's just the <laughs> show. series. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, so I liked it. I liked the vibes. I love that the Boondocks was inspired by it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, I thought it was cool.
0: All right. Well, so I have some like factoids about the uh, about the production of the show, and as well as like some other stuff that I just think about the show. Um, So as I mentioned earlier, it was directed by Shinichiro Watanabe, coming off of um, Cowboy Bebop. So like once he was done making Cowboy Bebop, or I guess he was finishing up making Cowboy Bebop the movie, um, and he started writing the show back in like 1999. It didn't even come out till 2004, but. Um, he basically was given like free reign to make whatever project he wanted. And he always was really passionate about using like music, like, yeah, music is like a theme, um, like a thematic element, like, whereas Cowboy Bebop, it's like a jazzy space Western. Um, that sounds so random, <laughs> but it's fantastic. It works so well. Yeah. Um, and then Samurai Champloo is this like hip hop samurai, road movie um but so uh it wasn't it's one of those few like so few anime that is not based on any prior material it's like you most anime we watch is like there's a manga that came before it and the anime is just adapting that manga samurai champloo cowboy bebop both of those projects were just like spawned from nothing uh which i i think is really cool but then as a result of that um when they were making the show they um they didn't know like how it was going to end like while they were making it. They like hadn't even decided like certain elements. They just knew like you know th- these are the characters, these are the situations. Let's write that. They spent a lot of time working on it and they like introduced like a bunch of like new animators throughout the process. But like that kind of like unstructured approach to them making the show and not even knowing how it's going to end is incredibly unheard of in anime production. Like that just doesn't I think that just doesn't happen at all, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's very unique in that in that regard. Um, yeah, but then also like the the music that they use. So like the the opening and the ending. Two are both of those songs. I think are just like so iconic for me. Um, I just like I just love listening to both of those songs. The uh, the first song is. It's like a Nuja bass song, uh, Nuja bass being like as I mentioned in the last episode, he was kind of like the godfather of lo-fi hip hop music, which like everybody listens to Lo-fi now, but back in 2004, you know nobody knew what that was and he was kind of like the guy that was like making it. Um, he's this uh, Japanese dude. His name was June Seba, and then if you just flip June and flip Seba, you get Nuja Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, for me, it's like some of the best music in any show because it's just, it just like adds so much and it's so unique. It's like this mashup of hip hop and samurai, Mm -hmm. um, which I think like no other show, like just watching the show now is like, it feels unique and refreshing and very original and it was definitely that way at the time, but for it to be 18 years later and it still feels refreshing and original, I think says a lot. Um, so yeah. Uh, but though on the topic of New base I do want to say that um, he did die in a car accident in like 2010, 2011, which kind of sucks. Yeah. Right. That was a that was a big deal. Big, big hit.
1: Can I ask a question? Absolutely. Um, Is uh Cowboy Bebop also like a short like just one season. Yeah,
0: or? like one 1 to 26, that's it.
1: Wow, okay.
0: Yeah. And then uh but then Cowboy Bebop got a movie. Mm. Um which it does kind of play out kind of like a like a normal um anime show movie where mm-hmm. it's like it's not connected to the show, mm-hmm. but it clearly has to take place at some point in the timeline of the show, but it's yeah. not clear like when that would be. Mm-hmm. Uh it's kind of just like these are the characters, these are this is the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Cowboy Bebop, the movie. Well, I mean, you've never seen Cowboy Bebop. I haven't. Um, and the live action remake on Netflix is, I would say not really worth your time, but, um,
1: yeah, didn't they cancel it?
0: Yeah. They canceled it after like a couple weeks after Dang. they released it. Yeah. Um, which sucks, but I'm really looking forward to that One Piece Netflix adaptation. <laughs> it's the biggest budget of any... It's going to
1: be live action? It's
0: going to be live action on Netflix. Oh. It's going to be a show. It's the biggest budget they've done for any anime live action adaptation for Netflix. Um, oh. Though I'm not sure wh- how big of a market that is uh, at the moment. But um, yeah. yeah, it's the biggest budget they've... D- they're building like full-on pirate ships and, and whatnot. Anyway... Um, that's beside the point, but uh, yeah, Cowboy Bebop, fantastic. Very similar to Samurai Champloo in that you know the episodes are all very self-contained. You can watch it in any order you want. It's and it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the movie is just so, movie so good. Um, but anyway, I think because of the structure of you know the stories being self-contained, I think both of these shows are much. better better when they're digested kind of like in short bursts over a long period of time. Whereas like other shows, you just kind of like sit and just watch a bunch of episodes because it's all connecting one story. This it's like, you gotta savor it. It's like a fine wine. You know, like, you don't know what adventures they're going to get into in the next episode. I like that a lot. And the final thing that I want to say is that um, I like that they kind of have in Samurai Champloo, like uh, because it takes place in the Edo period of Japan, they kind of give you like some history lessons along the way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You noticed that in like the the artist mm-hmm. episode, they're kind of going on this whole thing about how like this painting that van Gogh saw inspired like his whole line of art about um sunflowers Mm -hmm. and so there's a whole bunch of like random history that's kind of thrown into the show despite the events of the show not necessarily Mm -hmm. being like accurate situations that would have happened in that time period it's like it still gives you kind of this like japanese history which i think is really fun
1: yeah i thought that was really cool i didn't know how accurate that history was (laughs) So oh well, would, not like, the
0: yeah the, the Van Gogh thing is probably not. <laughs> would, it was it was yeah. it probably was I I didn't even look into it. Uh, it probably yeah. was accurate that he saw an image that inspired like these sunflowers, but yeah. like the sh- the way that the show like Made produces it. that yeah, image it's like, it's is like character. through the story of that episode. <laughs> just like that definitely did not happen. Yeah,
1: either. but don't they do like in the in the first episode? Don't they like have a disclaimer about like the historical events like in the series or um, whatever is like inaccurate or something like that yeah
0: yeah (laughs) but i mean i guess just kind of like the culture and like the the way that like um i don't know like public executions and like just the way that like the policing system works and Mm -hmm. all of that is i think for the most part representative Mm -hmm. well not completely but (laughs) like that secret agent guy uh, (laughs) um but yeah, there, there is there is some if you I mean, if you're smart, <laughs> mm-hmm. you can figure out what's like actually yeah. teaching you something and what's just there for fun. Yeah. Yeah. Got you. Cool. Yeah. Anything else? I think that's it. All right. Fantastic. So Aww.
1: next <laughs> up. Woo. I feel like you're so OK. I want to preface this. OK this is this is an explanation to the listeners mm-hmm. Parker was writing his notes for Mary Kate Ashley I kid you not for like an hour
0: this yep. morning <laughs> yep I I mean I wrote movie so the, the movie's New York minute Mary Kate Ashley 2004 um I wrote a lot of notes I usually write a page of notes yeah for whatever we're about to talk about for this I wrote like a page and a half and there's yeah. so much of it that I wanted to make sure that anything I talked about was concise so I, I put it all in my notes app um, so I could look at it and have it as a reference on my phone because there's so much to go through yeah. with this movie. Um,
1: yeah. Can I give some facts really quick before you even dive into what it is and everything like that?
0: I mean, yeah, go ahead. Quick
1: fact. So like you said, this is New York Minute 2004. I wanted to confirm this was their last movie. Oh, it was. it was? Yeah, it's the last thing we see them in. Um, and in addition to that, it was only their second theatrical release, the first being It Takes Two. Um, so oh. they only had two movies that were actually released in theaters. This movie did not do well <laughs> in the theaters. Oh, uh, surprise,
0: surprise.
1: <laughs> yes. Um, but I wanted to just give that information because it is, it's the last thing we see them in.
0: Okay. Like ever?
1: Yeah. They were done after this.
0: Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, does not surprise me. So, okay. The first thing I wanna say about this movie before I even dive into the plot, um, do you remember that time when Andy Richter stereotyped all Chinese people by speaking in a very messed up Chinese accent for a Mary Kane Ashley movie? Because I sure did not. <laughs>
1: I told, I warned you, I said this movie has problematic things this, in it.
0: So many problematic things. Yes. It's rampant. Yes. Um wow. <laughs> but and they even call him out in the movie they, yeah they, they do call him out in the movie okay oh, oh my gosh all right I, yeah I'll, I'll get into all of that there's i have like a whole section <laughs> to talk about that um but anyway so new york minute mary kate Nashley, ashley 2004 as mm-hmm. we've said um so uh about 25 into the 25 minutes into the movie i do want to clarify i did write a note that said what is the plot um because 25 and 25 minutes into the movie they did not really make it clear what 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 am i what's supposed to happen Mm -hmm. um so ah, good god all right so the movie stars mary Kane and ashley one of them plays jane that is
1: ashley ashley okay i was
0: wondering who which one was which yeah um i don't know how they literally look identical so i don't know how you tell the difference but um so one of them plays Jane. She's the smart, prim, and proper, goody-two-shoes sister. And then the other one plays Roxy. And she's the loud, rebellious, punk-rock sister. So um, on this very specific day, in their <laughs> very specific this day. All takes place in one this day. all takes place in one day. This all takes place in one day. So Jane, the smart one, uh, has this big speech that she, uh, she has to give for the McGill Foundation so that she can win a scholarship to Oxford in London. And Roxy, the rebellious one, is trying to get to the Simple Plan music video um, shooting so she can distribute her band's demo to some important people in the music industry. <laughs> um, but wait, there is so much more going on than just that. Uh, so Roxy is also a truant. And she has been uh, faking these excuse letters to her school for a very long time. It is not made very clear uh, how long it has been since she has been to school, but it basically seems like she has never been to school. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, she's faking these excuse letters from her dad because their mom passed away, RIP. So,. Um, Eugene Levi, or sorry, Eugene Levy. (laughs) I always mess that up. Uh, He plays a truancy officer named Officer Lomax, and he's very intent on catching her throughout this entire movie because she's the number one truant in the state. Like, he's
1: so intense that I literally wrote down, I was like, is this legal? Like, he's like stalking, full on stalking her. He's like full
0: on stalking her. But here's the other thing Um, this man is struggling to pay his rent. So, there's a scene where he's like, he's got like a whiteboard and like he's on a computer. He's really trying to like crack the case yeah. on what's going on yeah. with Roxy. He's like trying to crack the number one truancy case in the state. Um, and his landlord's like, yo, you're going to pay me rent? And he's like, I just, like, I'm really close to cracking this case. So, when I saw that, I was like, Is this man paid on commission for all the kids that he, like, catches? All the truants that he catches? Because that would be a pretty messed up system. But that's, like, heavily implied, (laughs) I would say. Uh, Anyway, but also the kids in this movie, throughout the movie, uh, would be like a buffet for him. Because none of them go to school. All of this takes place on a school day. This, like... The movie makes sure that you know that this all takes place on a school day, yeah. and there is a ton of, like, teenagers in the movie. Yeah. Um, and then any, uh, any young people in the movie that we don't question why they should be in school uh, are college age, but more on that later. <laughs> uh, so, at the very beginning of the movie, uh, as I mentioned before, we find out that their mom died, their dad's a doctor... And Jane, the smart one has been playing the mom in the house and she's, you know, she's being very responsible because somebody needs to be responsible because Roxy's not going to do it. Right. Um, but there's this part that I, I noted where, she, uh, Jane very quickly fixes her dad's tie as he's about to head out. That for me played out like way too like <laughs> intimate and wife-like. It really kind of creeps me out. Um, <laughs> do you know what i'm talking i about? know exactly what you're talking yeah. about yes i was like what whoa okay that, all
1: right honestly there's so much going on in the movie i let that roll right off my shoulder oh, yeah. i'm like you know well there what? is so it's, much yeah. to
0: call out in this movie so yeah um anyway the jane jane and roxy are on a train heading to new york uh but roxy can't pay for her train ticket uh so she gets kicked off the train at the next stop but then the ticket taker sees jane and and assumes that Roxy got back on the train, because I guess Jane has money, Roxy doesn't. I don't even know where Jane gets her money, but whatever. Um, you think that their dad would give them the same amount of money. But... I mean, they probably do, but
1: I feel like Roxy's so irresponsible that's that she, she just blows her, blows her money on out. whatever, and yeah, Jane saves it.
0: Fair enough. Well, um, yeah, the ticket taker thinks that Roxy gets back on too. He kicks Jane off the uh, off the train, and that's where the movie really just starts to go completely off the rails yeah Yeah. it gets it gets nuts so um well let's see there's this part where uh i think jane bumps into this cute aaron carter looking guy um named Jim who is constantly on a bike throughout the movie. Yeah. He just he appears and reappears constantly throughout the movie and his whole thing is that he is just riding biking around <laughs> he's just riding his bike around New York and just bumping into them. Like literally, we have no context for anything that he's doing ever. Yeah. He's just some college age huh, uh guy <laughs> on his bike. <laughs> I
1: think he like is like a delivery person or something sure. he, I, okay when i looked at the movie it like said he does his job is like something where he delivers things i guess on his bike
0: i don't know i mean that all would make sense but the, yeah. i don't think the movie did a, it no it definitely does not does explain not why explain he's, explain he's just that. on his bike yeah, everywhere he's just, you're like, oh hey good to see you again well, yeah. we're always gonna bump into each other anyway um yeah so when they get kicked off the train, they bump into the gym, whatever. They got to like go do their thing. I don't really remember exactly what's happening, but um Jane is standing and then this uh this Chinese guy who looks like he's straight out of the Matrix slips a microchip into her bag to hide the chip because Roxy, he,
1: Roxy that Roxy was, was Roxy. Yeah. That was Roxy. Jane was trying. so Jane's trying to get a new train ticket, but there's not gonna be another train for another forty five okay. minutes. Or for another like few hours, a I few mean. A few hours, that's right. Um and so Roxy is standing by and that dude slips the microchip right. in Roxy's right.
0: bag. Right. right. And normally I wouldn't specify that the guy was Chinese, but it's like it ends up being relevant to the plot just give me a second um, <laughs> okay uh, so yeah he immediately gets arrested and Andy Richter's character who is this like limo driver who's like watching this happen he clearly knows the guy that slips the chip and he kind of gets the signal of like oh this girl has a microchip I need to like get it from her
1: wait pause I want to explain why the dude slipped the microchip in because that's... It. So, like, basically, this was like a, a meetup between Andy Richter and this dude to exchange the microchip. Yes. And so the dude ends up... The police come and the and the dude's getting caught by the police. So right. he slips it in her yeah, bag so that Andy Richter can come in and get the chip from her.
0: Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And we, at this point, we don't know what's on the microchip. It's just like, ooh, clearly something's <laughs> stolen. Ooh. <laughs> Um, so Andy Richter sees Roxy and he's like, oh, I got to go get it from her. And he walks up to her in slow motion and there's some horrible CGI doves that appear out of nowhere, which is fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. But like, oh my, okay, so... I don't, you probably don't know this, but uh, doves are kind of like this visual motif that's used in like a, like a cool action y way um, right. by this famous Hong Kong director, oh, I didn't know that. like action director named John Woo. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love his movies. I've got one of his movies on my list to assign you at some point. But um, he uses like doves in action scenes all the time. Like it's his mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I saw that, I was like, did they just use like a John Woo dove reference as this like subtle visual motif to indicate to us that Andy's Andy Richter's character is affiliated with like Chinese people in some way? Oh, that? Yeah.
1: I see. I didn't pick well, I didn't know that information. So I just thought like cuz you always like see about like action things with like the doves and I just yeah. thought it was that. So that's oh, interesting. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, so I was like, "What okay. <laughs> like that all right. Um mm-hmm. So yeah, he okay. So he he knows that they have the microchip and that they need a ride, and he's a limo driver. So he offers to give them a ride. Um, and it turns out, so Andy Richter in you know in real life he's like a white guy, he's a comedian, um, but in this movie it turns out he's been adopted by a Chinese family, which apparently gives him free full reign to just use a Chinese accent for the whole movie. There is a specific conversation that he's having with his adopted mother where she's like either speak to me in Chinese or speak to me in English but stop with the accent. That's literally the first conversation they have and he's like, "Okay, mom." Like he makes it clear like I've got an American accent. Um but then he just proceeds to use this crazy Chinese accent throughout the rest of the movie and it's like who <laughs> let this happen? Um Two thousand four. Yeah. But he
1: gets he gets called out again by Jane. Yeah, he gets called right? out yeah. again
0: by Jane at the end of the movie and she's like, There's this guy who thinks he's Chinese, but you're not.
1: She's like, You're clearly white. Your Stop. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um
1: But it's like Yeah, it's it's so how bad. How is he allowed
0: to just do that for, and it's for a Mary Kate and Ashley movie?
1: <laughs> it's so bad. I mean to early two thousands. I feel like you go back to any early two thousands movie and every you can find so many problematic things in yeah. each of them.
0: Yeah. We talk a lot of conversation uh, in like cinema circles, I guess, is around like, you know, Breakfast at Tiffany's is a really good movie, but there's um, this guy, I don't, I don't remember the name of the actor, um, he's just like white actor who plays like a Chinese character. Mm-hmm. It's like Mr. Mm-hmm. Um, And it's just like horrible, uh, just like stereotyped yeah. Chinese character. Yeah. Um and people are always like, oh, that was like that was, you know, so bad at the time, but that was like 1930s. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, like obviously that was bad, don't do that. But then it's like I'm watching Mary Kay Nashley in 2004 yeah. and Andy Richter's doing a Chinese accent for the whole movie.
1: Mm-hmm. That's bonkers. Yeah.
0: Um <laughs> Okay. Uh so anyway, uh along the way in their, you know, hijinks, I don't I can't even like fully summarize everything that happens in this movie because there's just like they find themselves in so many different situations so i'm just i'm gonna be a little sporadic in how i explain this but along the way um you know they they meet jim they meet trey trey is kind of like so jim is you know the the biking Aaron carter boy um that uh jane is obviously interested in at one point they meet trey who is like you know this Good looking fella that uh, mm-hmm. Roxy clearly likes. I want to um, explain how they meet Trey. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, pretty much, they're talking, Mary Kate and Ashley are talking. And like on the sidewalk and they get covered and like like a car drives by and they get covered in a bunch of like nastiness and like they get really like dirty and gross. And so Roxy has the idea to like break into a hotel room in the plaza. And so she gets into one of the rooms and they're like, okay, we're going a shower, get ourselves together and like dip. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Trey, him and his mom are staying in this room. His mom has left to go somewhere, which is how Roxy got in. And so then Trey comes home and finds them.
0: Right. And we don't question why this young man, Trey, is not in school. So clearly, <laughs> he's a college-aged individual. Yeah. And it's very clear that mary Kay and Ashley are in high school. Granted, it's clear that they're, like, seniors in high school. Yeah, so they but could it's be still, 18. They could be 18. It's still weird. Because <laughs> mary Kay and Ashley, like, they take showers in this hotel room. Mm-hmm. And then they, like, both get caught in their towels. And there's parts where, there's a part where, like, one of them loses their towel. And they're, like, in the trash. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, like, what? <sighs> it's, like. Do you remember that time they like sexualized Mary Kate Nashley in yeah. the Mary Nashley movie? Yeah. When it was like right on the cusp of them turning 18 and then were really interested in these college age men? Um Yeah. The only, but they're still in High School.
1: The <laughs> only other movie I can remember like very well during when they were like at this age was mm-hmm. they did a movie. It might have come I'm assuming it came before New York Minute because Is it the York
0: one Minute where they're
1: before. in Rome. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's when they they were like like middle school age i I, I don't know
0: um
1: but it's called the challenge and it was basically like a movie version of like survivor and so Uh, it was like very much like they were on this like game show and it was all about like the romance they would have like they had with these guys there and like all that kind of stuff so okay i guess this was like their period of like you know we're adults now like we're older all right all right
0: Well, I I mean, I just want to say, um, you know, Jim and Trey are both clearly, you know, in this movie. Yeah. Um, They don't serve anything to the plot. These guys are there to purely be like eye candy. candy. Yeah.
1: And to be like the
0: potential love interest. Yeah.
1: But young me, like me being like... I don't know, I was just like so into boys, you know, at this time when this movie came out, and so I was like, "Oh my gosh, they're so cute." Like, mm-hmm. and each one gets a boy, and like mm-hmm. it's the best, you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and it makes for good entertainment for me to watch this movie and dissect and criticize it on on a podcast. Um <laughs> So, hmm, all right. Where where am I next? Oh, okay. So when they're in that hotel room where they meet Trey, Trey's mm-hmm. dog uh, – do you remember the dog's name? It doesn't matter, but – uh,
1: It's like Ricardo or Ricardo. something. Ricardo. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like
0: that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, so, okay, I'm glad we remembered that because that's a fantastic. <laughs> that
1: could be completely wrong. I, I know it started with an R, and it was like a very like, human name. It was name. like
0: Richard or – Something like that. I think like it was that. Ricardo. Um, I think it was Ricardo, but then the subtitle spelled it like R-E-I-C-A-R-D-O. But anyway, Ricardo eats the microchip. And um, they need the microchip because when they were in Andy Richter's limo, uh, Jane accidentally left her day planner in the limo. and Which includes her speech. Which has this. her speech for yeah. the McGill Foundation uh, speech so that she can go to Oxford. You remember that? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because uh, there's been a whole bunch of other stuff that's happened along the way. Um, so basically, Ricardo, like... How did that even, Ricardo gets thrown out the window um, and he ends up on walking along the outside of the building and these girls are risking their lives, (laughs) traversing the side of a building to get this dog who ate a microchip so that they can trade that microchip for the day planner so that she can give her speech. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm just stating objectively what happened. (laughs) As ridiculous as that sounds.
1: Yeah. So Jane is like very type A, and her whole life revolves around this moment. And so, yeah, when that dog goes out, she's like, I'm going out too. Right. And then Roxy just kind of follows because she's like, well, I'm not going to stay here. You know, I got to go with my sister. So, right. So, yeah.
0: Okay. Well, then at some point after all of that, they end up at the Simple Plan music video <laughs> shoot.
1: I looked up if Simple Plan was real because I didn't know. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. Simple Plan is <laughs> a real a band. band. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're
0: like, I'm just a kid and life is a nightmare. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Um. I mean, I think that was Simple Plan. But um, yeah, I just wrote down Simple Plan, Mohawks, Fauxhawks, spiky hair, long hair, teen angst, dudes wearing long sleeve shirts under short sleeve shirts. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's very. I'm like, was Simple Plan being in a Mary Kate and Ashley movie like a big gig for them? Like, was that like, oh, sweet, we get to be in Mary Kate and Ashley? Um,
1: Yeah. I, so I looked up because I was like, I feel like there was this time period where so many early 2000s movies had like a band cameo. Like you had like Sugarfly, wait, Sugar Ray, Sugarfly, Sugar Ray. Sugar Ray. Sugar Ray, who was in like Scooby-Doo. And then there's, I looked on a list because there were so many just like movies. So you have Sugar Ray that's in Scooby-Doo. You had Bowling for Soup and Crossroads. You had Blink-182 and American Pie. And like, there was this like period where there was always like a pop, punk band Band. cameo in these movies and new york Men is just one of them
0: simple plan they got in on the mary kate (laughs) and ashley money Uh, (laughs) okay well all right i that's all i have to say about the simple plan scene it's just there because it's fun you know yeah i
1: love it i love a like band cameo
0: (laughs) in a movie yeah
1: and like they like stage dive it's so much fun yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah all the while Eugene Levy is still following them he he is there at the simple plan show he tries to stage dive at one point and then and he, he takes hits. the hardest fall yes. i'm like yo we need stuntmen react uh corridor <laughs> crew on that on that stunt we man, because it to them. <laughs> yeah, because I'm like that's that was a hit yeah. that guy took. Um, yeah, both it both did not Eugene, look like a dummy at all.
1: Yeah, both Eugene Levy and Andy Richter are like following. So the whole yes, the whole they're movie, they're both the trying movie. to get them. Yeah.
0: Um. So at one point, the girls they come out of the sewer. I think when they leave Simple Plan, they are like, "Oh, let's hide in that tent." And they jump in the tent. and It turns out that tent was covering a uh, a manhole. Um. And so they end up in the the water main, I think it was, it was not exactly the sewer, but still yeah. still bad. Yeah. Um, they come out of the sewer and they stop at a barbershop called the House of Bling, which is owned by like the most hospitable bunch of black people, and they literally help solve all of Mary Kate and Ashley's problems. And okay. I I thought that was like a really fun <laughs> scene, but there's the, but there was this montage there's this montage where they're like making them up and like you know yeah they're like oh you can't leave my barbershop looking like that i need looking you a mess. looking like a mess yeah, yeah. I, I need you to uh, you know we got to spice you guys up and um so there's this montage where they're dressing them, the, them up in these different outfits um and like at one point i think ashley or jane rocks it who knows one of them <laughs> um has like an afro and she's yeah. like She's like dancing and like everybody else is like dancing around her and she's doing these like little moves and I'm like, what? This is just not what I expected um, out (laughs) of this movie, you know?
1: I gotta say, looking back on this, I'm like, this this is such a weird scene. And also, there are problematic moments in the scene. Right. But-
0: I mean, this movie (laughs) is full of stereotypes. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, But I gotta say, when I was a kid, that was my favorite scene in the whole movie not only because i thought the outfits were so cool like i don't know it was just it was just a fun i like i loved any kind of makeover scene mm-hmm. and like they're putting mary kate ashley in these like outfits that they would never wear mm-hmm. and it was just so cool to me as a child but yeah but again it's got its problematic moments yeah i really dislike when they first go into the the it's called like house of bling. When mm-hmm. they first go into house of bling, they're like scared. And right. I, and I hated that. Right. Right. They're like, Oh, we need to like get out of here. Like, right. and then I think one of them says like, Oh, we're not in Kansas anymore. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And That's I, yeah. Partly I, why like that. I wanted
0: to bring this scene up in the first place. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, at some point they, they leave there, some other stuff happens, but there, there's this part where they get upset at each other and they're in Times square and then they walk away from one another and literally, as soon as they part ways and start walking and thinking, um, <laughs> they are both like, oh no, I'm, that's my sister, I regret it. <laughs> and it's like sisterly bonding, we need to make up. Oh no, my poor sister, I love her.
1: Yeah, it's your sister. <laughs> you fight and then you're like, oh, but I love her.
0: God. it's just it just happens so fast in the movie i'm like oh, okay it
1: does it does
0: yeah so by the time everything gets resolved um at the end of the movie um you know it's like uh i predicted that there's when it comes down to jane giving her speech for the mcgill foundation to get into oxford and I'm being very specific about all that but um mm-hmm. roxy ends up being the one to have to like be a placeholder to like pretend to be jane to give the speech uh and she just is botching it. It's like the worst speech ever, right? Um, and well, gosh, what I mean, what happens after that? I mean, Jane Jane shows up, and then she's like, "Whatever, I you know I can't give you my speech, but like I learned something along the way, and that is that I love my sister." Um, mm-hmm. And so the whole movie, they're like hyping up this like speech because it's like it's literally the MacGuffin of the movie is like her notes for the speech in her day planner. She needs it. Um, and they're hyping up, like, how good this speech is, the whole movie, and somehow the writers, like, were able to just skirt around her ever having to even give the speech. We never even hear the speech. The guy, uh, Hudson McGill, played by Daryl Hammond, um, he is, it turns out, well, we see him all throughout the movie, and he's kind of like a victim of their hijinks throughout the movie. he's like Mm -hmm. always just getting messed up in some way because of what they're up to. And we're like, who is this movie? Who is this guy? Why is he in this movie? Then we see him. It's like, oh, he was the guy that was in charge of the McGill Foundation the whole time. Mm -hmm. Um, And he finds her notes. And he like goes up and tells her like, because all these other people gave these like great speeches and she never gives hers. And then he comes up and tells her like, you're right. This would have been an amazing speech. I found your notes and I want you to go to Oxford and represent us. And it's like, what?
1: <laughs> the I don't know if you caught this. I was having the hardest time holding in my anger. <laughs> I almost just like went off on the movie right there. But I was like, let me save it for the podcast. Because you know me, I always got to be like, the privilege. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the freaking Big
0: time privilege. privilege.
1: She didn't even give this speech. She didn't
0: give this speech.
1: And she got this fellowship. Yep. What?
0: Little blonde girl.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. It makes me so upset. Maybe it's just like my academia and me because I know how hard it is to get a freaking mm-hmm. fellowship. Mm-hmm. And I was just livid. <laughs>
0: yep. <laughs> Well, you know, at one point, I mean, I guess the yeah, the cops show up to the speech. Um, they arrest uh, Andy Richter. Uh, it turns out, oh yeah, okay, wait, oh my gosh, uh, at one point, Jane gets like kidnapped or something by Andy Richter, and she's in like a holding cell um, in Chinatown. And you find out that what's on the microchip is a bunch of like uh, illegal like music pirate and, music and yeah, pirate yeah pirated music and movies that like aren't even out yet. Um, which, I mean, was a legitimate issue at the time. And they were like, oh, yeah, we're going to take this, we're going to take it back to China, and we're going to sell it for you know, a bunch of money, um, which, okay. But um, problematicness of that aside. But um, at one point, uh, Officer Lomax, Eugene Levy, uh, He he finally comes across Andy Richter's character, who you know everybody at this point knows is like this white guy speaking in a Chinese accent. Um, He refers to Andy Richter as Odd Job. He's like, you know, hey there, Odd Job, Um, and which is actually reference to a like a short and stubby henchman character from a James Bond movie called Goldfinger, Mm -hmm. who was also played by a Chinese guy. Um, Wow! Yes, all these all these references that you did not catch. I was like. I was like, he just called him Odd Job, like, okay, Um, because there's, yeah, there there's 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 problems with the depiction of the Odd Job character back in Goldfinger as well. But anyway, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, and then at the end of the movie, everything works out. You know, Mm -hmm. Jane is gonna go uh, to London, gonna go to Oxford. Uh, Her and Jim are in a happy relationship. Uh, but Which wait he, like, is... oh yeah oh yeah I'm get oh yeah he comes up to her and is like oh I'm not gonna be able to like you know we're, we're gonna like I'm not gonna be able to make it out to London she's like oh no and then he's like just kidding I'm gonna transfer schools and be with you and it's like that guy does not look smart enough to transfer schools like all the way to freaking England like, I'm
1: just like blown away by they just met and he's like i'm moving to london yeah
0: he's like i'm gonna uproot my life change what college i go to for literally, this girl literally. And it's like what school in london did he get into i'm
1: like jim don't do it jim don't, don't do it yeah
0: <laughs> big mistake man and then uh Oh my gosh! And then yeah, Roxy's band there all of that's happening inside of a recording studio because Roxy's band is like made it, uh, I guess, and they're mm-hmm. recording. So she's successful, and then Eugene Levy like shows up and he's like, "Oh, this is the police." Just yeah, kidding. He's it's now me. a police <laughs> officer. Yeah. yeah,
1: he's now a police officer because they like set it up to where he is he like a he's a officer, who,
0: but he's not a real police officer. Right?
1: right. But like by the end of the scene when they like catch Andy Richter and his family, his family. Like they, oh, yeah. Mary Kate and Asher are like, oh, Eugene's the one who like found them, and so yep. that the senator ends up like, I guess, appointing him as a police officer oh, or something. Yeah,
0: that's right. So yeah, so that Trae's, way Trey's mom, who's there to give the uh right to give the reward for the McGill Foundation, turns out she's a senator and yes. she's there. Yes, all very convenient.
1: Yeah, and so that's how Ashley or. Roxy, sorry, Roxy, who's Mary-Kate. That's how Roxy kind of gets out of being in trouble for not going to school because she kind of helps Eugene Levy become a police officer, which is what he wanted.
0: Pursue your dreams in music and skip school, kids. (laughs) It'll all work out. (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. So that's that's the movie. So I just want to say, this movie does open with like a dream sequence Mm -hmm. where Jane... The smart one <laughs> we've established at this point. Um, she's having a nightmare about botching her big speech the next day, but none of that is made clear yet. Like, we don't know any of that. So, she's kind of in this like narrow, cramped hallway that's kind of shaped like a clock and it's kind of trippy, and people are coming out of the doors. And so, I don't, I didn't know like what is this movie even about at this point. This is literally the first thing that we're seeing. Mm-hmm. So, I literally wrote a note to like make a guess about what this movie was going to be about at that point, And I wrote, Are they going to be time wizards in this movie? What? <laughs> Yeah. because well, I don't know anything I'm like oh do they but work time wizards yeah do they work for some kind of like secret time wizard society and she's like oh this not the this door not this exactly <laughs> like some time wizard TVA thing I was like whoa Mary Kay Ashley oh this could be gosh. interesting and it's just not that at all it's just yeah. like that's just a dream
1: I feel like that was like a theme in a lot of early 2000s movies because you think of like bring it on it also starts with a dream, dream sequence where um, what's her name Kristen Dunst Kirsten becomes Dunst, yeah. like captain but then she's like naked when she like cheers and then it's like a a premonition i guess of what's to come
0: yeah but i could have watched that and been like
1: "Yeah, yes yeah (laughs) yeah
0: this i was like oh so it's not a time wizard movie um but then 25 minutes later i was like well i still don't know what this movie (laughs) is (laughs) about that's funny uh okay so yeah that's everything i have to say about this specific movie but i do just kind of have like some basic mary kate and ashley related questions yeah um so, do you think movie plots were written like with sorry, were movie plots like with twins in them written specifically for Mary-Kate and Ashley or do you think mm. they were just cast in every movie that had twins in it?
1: Um, that's a good question. I they weren't the only... T- I mean, you had, like, Tia and Tamara, which I th- I feel like Tia oh, and Tamara kind of came yeah. a little bit after Mary-Kate and Ashley. And
0: they were, like, older than them, too. Yeah.
1: I feel like Mary-Kate and Ashley had their own brand. Right. And, like, these oh, yeah, movies yeah. were, like, Mary-Kate and Ashley moved Like, they're specifically for right. Mary-Kate and Ashley. Okay. Um, that makes sense. Yeah.
0: Because I, I wrote a note that, you know, like, Mary-Kate and Ashley, as a brand, mm-hmm. spawned so many, like, shows, movies, cartoons... And even video games, yeah, and like, I yeah, I was just like, they're they have like clothing ex- lines,
1: everything. Yeah, yeah, their
0: mm-hmm. their existence is responsible for giving like a lot of people jobs, which is like, I gotta respect that.
1: They that. still have their own clothing line.
0: Oh, I'd say they're, I didn't even know they're that. like
1: huge in like the fashion industry. Oh, okay. Or like See, once I think they finished that. movies, they yeah, like became I I huge that.
0: in the fashion yeah. industry. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, but like it just the yeah just the sheer amount of jobs that they yeah that they were able to give people so with that in mind with the whole brand uh it probably was that they had like the mary kate and ashley writer team or something like all right what's mm-hmm. the next project what's the next mary kate let's, let's write it up yeah yeah that's that's probably how that played out um Okay, and then you're a bit more of a Mary Kate and Ashley expert <laughs> than I am. I mean, I did grow up. I, I owned a lot of like Mary Kate and Ashley VHS tapes. Um, yeah. In my you know VHS closet that I would watch from time to time. So I, I have seen some Mary Kate and Ashley stuff, but I don't think I've really seen any of their movies other than this and It Takes Two. Um, but in, in It Takes Two, they like they're both young, and they like they get swapped with each other. It's like they're from different families, but then they switch with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and they never fully clarify in that movie why they even look exactly the same. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but in this movie, they have a few of those like twin mix-up moments as well. So my mm-hmm. question is, um, do they always do the same <laughs> twin look-alike mix-up gimmick in like every movie yeah. that they're in? Is-
1: <laughs> I feel like no. Okay, so my in terms of like my Mary Kane Ashley history, so I started – my obsession, I never watched Full House, ever. Oh, right. Um, but my, like, love for Mary-Kane Ashley started with their You're Invited series, which was, like, these VHS tapes of just, like, them, and they were, like, themed. So, like, it'd be, like, Mary-Kane Ashley, you're invited to a sleepover. And they'd have these little songs about these, like, things they would do at a sleepover. Or, like, Mary-Kane Ashley, you're invited to a pool party. And then, like, it was like that. Um, then I got into Mary-Kane Ashley books where they were detectives, but they also had movies where they were detectives. Um, I, I remember that. Yeah, I, I think it was it was called The Adventures of Mary Kate and Ashley. Um, so that's where like mine started, and I don't remember them really doing like a tw- like a twin switch up type of thing. It was mm-hmm. just like two sisters doing things together, and it just made it like okay. you, it was lovable because they were like they're twins. They're yeah, like they're yeah. adorable
0: little girls. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um. So yeah. So I don't, and I feel like in their other movies, like like they're the. What is it called? Is it When in Rome" or something like that? That movie. Is Holiday that the in- one where
0: they go to Rome?
1: <laughs> yeah. Holiday in the Sun. <laughs> um, they're like kind of like middle school age years. Those like- movies I don't quite remember as well, um, so I can't really speak to those. But, but yeah, but I don't think it was like a big plot in a lot of their movies.
0: Okay. Well, yeah. So on that same point, um, you kind of you kind of talked about this, but um, do they? so probably not but do they ever play the same like do they ever play characters with the same personality because it's like <laughs> in both movies that we've watched that remain Kate nationally specific it's like they're polar opposites of each other so yeah i guess outside of this movie and or sorry out, you know other than these movies mm-hmm. um and outside of like you know those TV shows when they were like young, mm-hmm. do you know of anything where they have the same personality and are like friends and don't like have yeah. opposite personalities?
1: I yeah. Again, I'm trying to like I'm trying to dig through the depths of my memory. I do think in a lot of their movies they are friends. It's not like they're like like they're like clashing like they are in this movie. Right. But they are they do have their different personalities, and I feel like in every movie they did like they all have they both have a different love interest and like. That and so it's like they, they're their own people. At what
0: age did they start introducing love interests into the Mary Kate and Ashley formula?
1: I, when they're like middle
0: schoolers, I, it's weird. What? They, I mean, it's not that <laughs> way. I, I mean, <laughs> like you have your crushes. Yeah, it's yeah. Like yeah. That no, I, I know. It's, it's just like it, I don't know, there's just something strange about it. What? <laughs> I guess. I guess I'm just like framing it in this lens of having just watched this movie, which is like their yeah. last one, and it's like.
1: And you're watching it as one an where adult. They're like,
0: I'm watching it as an adult, yeah. but like. And, you know, as we said in this one, they were, like, 18 and there was that whole, like, sexualized weird scene. And yeah. so I think you tell me, like, well, middle school, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> no,
1: you're, I think because you're, you're viewing it, at, like, as you as an adult now and an right. adult male right. versus, like, I feel like their target audience was girls. And, right. like, when you're no, a girl okay. and you're, yeah, 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 yeah. you're growing up alongside Mary-Kate and Ashley, like, you're also like, oh, I have a crush on this boy in school. Yeah, of course. And, like, I mean, that this, makes yeah, sense. Yeah. yeah.
0: Every every show does that, you know. Yeah. It's just... Yeah, I was again, I was just kind of viewing it from the lens coming off of the movie we just watched and like, whoa, if they did that, if they did it the way that they did it in this movie in middle school, then I would I would call it out a little bit more. But yeah, Mm -hmm. obviously it's. We all have like crushes and whatnot in middle school, so that makes total sense. Mm-hmm.
1: And I want to clarify it—not to say that boys can't enjoy Mary Kay and movies and understand it.
0: <laughs> for
1: sure, <laughs> I'm just saying for you specifically. Okay, okay.
0: Well, that was everything I had on this movie. Yeah. Uh, anything that you'd like to chime in and add?
1: Yeah. One last note. It's just like what I do love about this movie is they make these references. That are so of the time and it's so nostalgic. Oh yeah, there's forming. like a lot of
0: Matrix references in this movie.
1: Well, not even just that. So like there, there's a point when they're going to break into the Plaza Hotel and the dudes like, "What are your names?" And they go, "Paris and Nikki." So, like, oh, yeah. Paris Hilton yeah, yeah, yeah. and Nicole. What's her? What's Richie? Nicole Richie. Yeah, yeah, were like you know big people at the time. And then like well, but, and- but
0: they were also they did the uh, what the the Simple Life TV show. Right. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, and then. And uh, when Roxy's kind of giving the speech for Jane, Roxy quotes Avril Lavigne. She's like in the great Avril oh, Lavigne yeah. Steen. <laughs> and like she just gives the lyrics to Complicated. And it's so funny. And then, yeah, you just have these like little like thrown in things. There's a lot more in the movie. There's a, a Bob Saget cameo.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Like what? How? <laughs> How did they afford, like, Eugene Levy and Bob Saget? In... Well, I mean, Bob
1: Saget was in Full House. So, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. But, like,
0: why this movie specifically? Why bring Bob Saget in for New York Minute I'm in comparison if... to any of their other projects? I'm
1: wondering if it's because they knew it was their last thing they were going to do in terms of, like, the entertainment industry movie, TV okay. show-wise. And okay. so it's, like, a little, like, throwback to, like, their first thing of, like, yeah. Full House. And it's, like, let's throw them in there. It's nostalgic and yeah it's like now you're seeing like bob saget and like mary Kane Ashley as you know older
0: right 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 kind of
1: had this like interaction for a very brief moment all
0: right okay okay okay
1: but yeah but yeah i don't know i just i really loved that and
0: um, i mean don't get me wrong i (laughs) kind of like kind of like you said about super mario 64 like don't get me wrong but like i really enjoyed (laughs) watching this movie that was a blast yeah um my goodness (laughs) there's just so much going on oh yeah but i mean again lots of problematic stuff yes um, for sure 100 percent. that uh yeah you just watch and it's baffling to the mind how Mm -hmm. that was just like okay yeah but uh all right
1: it makes me like think it's like Cause like when you're a kid, you're absorbing, absorbing these things without knowing really what you're absorbing.
0: Right. That's part of the problem.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's like, no wonder our society is the way it is because we're like getting this socialization at such a young age and we are thinking nothing of it. We're thinking this is funny. Like, right.
0: Like, Oh, it's okay to use a fake Chinese accent. Exactly. No.
1: And it's, you grow up and you have to pretty much unlearn these things and unlearn these associations, which is super sad
0: yeah wild what a a crazy movie
1: (laughs) (laughs) yep well i appreciate you watching it (laughs) yeah
0: no thank you thank it was a great pick honestly um okay well now we're gonna move on to our final segment where we assign each other our assignments for the week Mm -hmm. if you would like to be surprised as to what next week's assignments are going to be then stop listening now otherwise (laughs) if you would like to uh follow along and uh see what we're going to be consuming this week or um if you decide you want to you know check this stuff out too um keep listening and we'll let you know what we're going to be doing next week Mm -hmm. so who would like to assign first
1: you assign first
0: Okay. All right. So we kind of had a conversation about this over dinner um, a few weeks ago where we were kind of clarifying the parameters of assignment. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to see if you okay this. Um, I want to give you two movies. Okay. So the first movie is called The Room. Have you seen it?
1: No. Okay. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking it's, about, though.
0: directed, written, produced, and starred in by the great Tommy Wiseau. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's the first movie would be The Room Mm -hmm. and the second movie would be The Disaster Artist, which is the movie about the making of Mm -hmm. The Room, um, which stars like James Franco, Dave Franco, Seth Rogen, a whole bunch of people are in it. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think you would really like that movie, but you can't enjoy that movie without having seen The Room first. Yeah. And also I feel like if you watch The Room You just have to watch the disaster artist because like the two go so hand in hand that i don't feel like i could like i could uh assign them Mm -hmm. on two separate weeks Mm -hmm. i feel like you know if it's just like it's all just got to be part of one big conversation that we have which is why in this case because we said it would be okay if it was like one movie and sequel as long as it's under like a five Mm -hmm. hour runtime so that's why i was trying to see if you'd be okay (laughs) with yeah it's saying assigning with me assigning this uh match up a few weeks ago and at the time you're like no don't do that but i'm like no no, no. i'm gonna do it yeah <laughs> so okay. are you okay with that assignment
1: yeah that's totally fine i haven't seen the room but i do i've seen quite a bit of scenes like specific scenes so i'm excited to watch it like cohesively
0: oh, cohesively yeah and then with the disaster artist too it'll be yeah it'll make for quite a conversation next week
1: yeah okay i'm down for that Sounds good. Cool. (laughs) So my assignment to you is kind of a random thing. Okay. Um, Let me know if you've seen it already. If so, I have a backup. Okay. Uh, I'm a really big fan of the shows that Vice comes out with. Um, I've talked to you about kind of like that Action Bronson watching Ancient Alien show before. That's okay. not what I'm assigning you. Um, and one of my okay. favorite shows on Vice is Most Expensive Is with Two Chains. Oh yeah, yeah that's not what I'm assigning you either. Oh. Instead, I'm assigning you a Tyler the Creator show. It's just six episodes.
0: Oh, uh, what's it called? Uh, I know the name of this. Wait. Uh, oh, I know the name. Uh, oh. Uh. <laughs> Is it like something boys? Is no, no. Uh, tra- no, no. I'm like Trailer Park Boys. No, no, no. Oh, um, you're
1: talking. You're thinking of. I think their Adult Swim show. Um, what's that one called? Oh my gosh, it's escaping me. I've seen that. I've seen yeah. the yeah this, the episodes, but no, it's not that. This is something different. So this okay. show is called Nuts and Bolts
0: oh i've never heard of this
1: yeah it's basically tyler the creator learning more about things that he is interested in so like the first episode is like stop motion and there's all these and then one episode's like breakfast yeah and it's, and it's, tyler, it's, the creator? And it's tyler the creator that sounds
0: like a lot of fun <laughs> it
1: is a lot of fun um so yeah so that's what i want to assign you
0: okay totally out of left field i love that <laughs> yeah all right cool i'm very excited okay so you hear that listeners uh <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's gonna bother me what this other tyler creator show is called oh my gosh yeah it's go with up. all his friends too and yeah they do like yeah. funny skits and things
0: go ahead and look it up so yeah. okay so i'm assigning you the room and the disaster artist uh the room i'm pretty sure you can't really find it streaming anywhere um so i actually bought a dvd a week ago of it
1: oh my gosh I, oh yeah
0: i was very <laughs> dedicated to this assignment um The DVD is about $11. The Blu-ray is $22. So These are the only ways that you can legally watch this movie because it's the only way that it's legally distributed. Um, Mm -hmm. The Disaster Artist, I think, is either streaming somewhere or you can watch it on Amazon Prime. But do you know where to watch... nuts and bolts yeah for the the good listeners
1: so what we can do is we can buy the episodes from amazon prime or we can like we can sign up for like a little free like trial thing on stars trial or something well not oh it's vice Vice yeah so it would be on like we go on the vice website and okay you can like watch a few episodes for free
0: so if anybody's trying to watch those too uh before next week's episode go check them out on vice yeah. all right great that's the end of the episode
1: one second oh never mind we were talking we're thinking of loiter squad
0: loiter squad yeah, i love loiter trailer squad. boys <laughs> not trailer park boys loiter squad got Leiter it squad, okay yeah. all right so Thank no, you not that one that up. but we're yeah. not assigning that we're doing nothing but bolts. bolts all right mm. that's the end of the episode yay see you next time see you next week Bye.